The following message comes to you from the pulpit of Zion Primitive Baptist Church in Zion, Alabama. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com. In 1 Kings chapter 17, we find at the beginning of this chapter that Elijah the Tishbite, who was of the inhabitants of Gilead, said unto Ahab, the wicked king Ahab, as the Lord, of, uh, Lord God of Israel liveth, before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain these years, but according to my word. And we find out later that uh, he gives this proclamation, and uh, it's a three-and-a-half-year period before it rains again. And uh, that's by the commandment of, uh, or the uh, proclamation of Elijah, and then it's by the prayer of Elijah that that drought is alleviated. But as we know, God cares for his people in the midst of trying times, and he's going to care for this prophet because he says um, it's going to be by, by my word, Elijah's word, that this drought's going to be lifted, so it's going to be pretty important for Elijah to be sustained in the midst of this period, right? If he's going to be the one that's going to issue the uh, removal of this, this judgment. So now... In verse 2, the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, Get thee hence, and turn thee eastward, and hide thyself by the brook Cherith, that is, before Jordan. And it shall be that thou shalt drink of the brook, and I have commanded the ravens to feed thee there. And he went and did according to the word of the Lord, for he went and dwelt by the brook Cherith, that is, before Jordan, and the ravens brought him bread and flesh in the morning and bread and flesh in the evening, and he drank of the brook. But then it came to pass after a while that the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. So what's the, uh, what's the best um, plan to provide for someone uh, in the midst of a drought. Um, I'm pretty sure that Elijah's idea and our idea is not to go out into uh, a, a very uninhabited place by a random brook and rely on birds to bring me food. Um, you know, I hope to mention uh, Joseph a little bit later, but um, you know that, that Pharaoh had a dream that uh, they were going to have seven years of plenty. It was going to be followed by seven years of famine. So they, during those seven years of plenty, they, they stocked up. So Egypt had all of this excess supply. And uh, that's why all these nations came to Egypt to get their food. It's because word got out that Egypt has all this extra food and everybody else is in a drought. But we don't have anything, but Egypt does. Well, that seems like the very logical place to go during a time of drought, right? This place that has all of this plenty, somebody that has all of this excess. And then we're going to see that he goes from this brook where the ravens feed him to a widow who had one meal left. You know, not, not to the overabundance uh, of an Egypt that appears from a natural perspective, not looking through an eye of faith, but just looking at it in a, a purely material sense, I want to go to the place that uh, has the most food, and the, and the uh, not, not just the most food, in the time of drought, I want to go to someone who has a uh, personal well, right? Uh, 
Instead, it, the Lord does provide for him, because uh, if you're not going to have a rain coming down from heaven, it'd pr- be pretty good to live by a river, right? But he didn't say that he was going to uh, live by a river. It's a small little brook, right? right? So even, the, even there, it's not like he just had tons of water. Uh, he had a little bitty brook. I, I, in my mind, a, a small little trickle, you know, not, not, not a, a huge amount of water. But um, the Lord commands as he sends him off to this very uh, surprising, obscure place at the brook chair that was before Jordan, um, he commands ravens to bring food to him. And uh, this is very interesting to me. Um, If you read the Levitical law, a raven is an unclean bird. They, they weren't even supposed to interact with, you know, they couldn't eat ravens, they were unclean. But wouldn't you think that the Lord would uh, choose something like a dove, right, that, that depicts peace, uh, that is, uh, depicts the Holy Spirit descending upon Jesus Christ when he was baptized? I mean, wouldn't, wouldn't a dove make a lot of sense, or something like a big majestic eagle or something like that? Was it, was it you, Sister Paige, that I think you posted a, a picture of an eagle that you all saw recently? Yeah, I mean, the, uh, um, wouldn't you think that that, the, one of these very impressive, and by the way, uh, I don't know much about it. I didn't have time to study this out, right? Um, but I think ravens are, are more, much more of a ravenous kind of, kind of bird. Um, so uh, do you really want to be eating the kind of flesh that a raven's bringing to you? I mean, uh, it's not going to be, um, well, very good, right? I mean, if I, for, from, my, from my perspective, I, I think I would be a little bit turned off uh, if, if I brought what I would presume a, the flesh that a raven would be bringing to me. And the Lord's using an unclean bird, an unclean bird to provide for his prophet in, in the midst of this time. And, uh, and like I said, bread and flesh in the evening. I mean, where was this raven even getting bread from? I mean, uh, this is an amazing story of God's providence um, and how the Lord, he, uh, in his perfect omniscience and his perfect understanding of all events, you know, uh, this uh, birds and animals, you know, they don't, they don't have the Holy Spirit residing in them, um, but they're, they're still under the direction of their creator, I guess, to a degree. Uh, so the Lord could command, uh, you know, he commanded a donkey to, to talk to Balaam. Uh, he, he commanded this, this raven, you know. I mean, I, I don't even know, if, I don't understand how that works. You know, how did um, the raven just, the Lord was directing that raven right. somehow, right? And the raven is just going to go randomly, I don't think ravens just randomly go pick up bread, you know, and bring it to some random brook. I mean, how is it that... that uh, the Lord was providing for it. Like, it doesn't make sense to me in a natural, in a natural way. But uh, it was this obscure, surprising raven, right, that the Lord saw fit to use to give his prophet what he stood in need of during the time of the severe drought. And then, over the course of time, the brook dried up. So it makes sense to go at least where there's some water. You know, it's not... Uh, a huge, it's not the Mississippi River, it's not a huge river, uh, it's more of a trickling kind of brook, but, but eventually that dried up, you know, the drought got severe enough, even the small little brooks were drying up. So now, what's, what's my next option, you know? 
What, what's next for me uh, in the midst of this severe drought? Verse 8, the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, Arise, get thee to Zarephath, which belongeth excuse me, to Zidon, and dwell there. And behold, I have commanded a widow woman there to sustain thee. So he arose, and he went to Zarephath, and when he came to the gate of the city, behold, the widow woman was there gathering of sticks, and he called to her and said, Fetch me, I pray thee, a little water in a vessel that I may drink. And as she was going to fetch it, he called to her and said, Bring me, I pray thee, a morsel of bread in thine hand. And she said, As the Lord thy God liveth, I have not a cake, but a handful of meal in a barrel, and a little oil in a cruise, and behold, I am gathering two sticks, that I may go in and dress it for me, my son, that we may eat it and die. And Elijah said unto her, Fear not, go and do as thou hast said, but make me thereof a little cake first, and bring it unto me, and after make for thee and for thy son. And thus saith the Lord God of Israel, the barrel of meal shall not waste, neither shall the cruse of oil fail until the day that the Lord sendeth rain upon the earth. And she went and did according to the saying of Elijah, and she and he and her house did eat many days, and the barrel of meal wasted not, neither did the cruse of oil fail according to the word of the Lord which he spake by Elijah. Now, the brook is dried up, and the ravens aren't coming bringing bread and flesh twice a day anymore. So what's my next best option? At the top of my list is not a widow that is on her last meal. But I want you to realize the... Uh, confidence that the Lord had in this widow. Don't you notice the language here in verse 9? Arise, get thee to Zarephath, which belonged to Zidon, and dwell there. Behold, I have commanded a widow there to sustain thee. You know, he hadn't asked her this question yet. You know, he, he had not showed up and said, yeah, you're preparing your final meal for you and your son. Give your final meal to me based on a promise, and if I'm getting my geography correct, which belonged to Zidon, this would have been a Canaanite. This is not a Jew that believed in Jehovah God, per se, okay? This is not, so, this is not a Jew that said, oh, you know, they knew all these Old Testament stories that the Lord would provide for, for his people. He would have been asking a uh, pagan Canaanite, uh, Zidonian, to give up her last meal for her and her child based on the promise of Jehovah God that she didn't even believe in. But Jehovah God said, I have commanded a widow to sustain thee. I, I definitely wouldn't have picked the widow. But it's never, God never chooses who is uh, impressive to the world, does he? <laughs> Not in any means. He, he chooses the weak things of the world to confound the mighty. Uh, if you want an example of that, look who's in front of you preaching. I mean, I've got no business being up here. Uh, and I, in uh, college, I, I couldn't even function in my graduate classes because I was terrified of my 
policy class that I had to make a speech in. And outside of Heights, my biggest fear is public speaking. And that's who God calls to preach. You know, that's who, that's who God uses in his kingdom because, you know, people like me don't want to be up here, really. You know, I mean, if I have a burden, you know, and the Lord's got over the, uh, you know, the, the physical jitters of, of that. But um, it's little bitty widows that God uses in his kingdom. And I want you to notice, again, I just can't get over the confidence that God had in this widow. I mean, he is asking, Elijah is asking her, a man he's never, she's never met, okay? She just, he just shows up, just shows up one day here uh, at this, this lady's house. And you're asking me, the stranger is asking me to give up my last meal. And the Lord had so much confidence that her faith was going to be so strong in Jehovah God, as, as her as a Zidonian, her faith was going to be so strong in Jehovah God that she is going to choose to give up her last meal in faith to give to this stranger who just showed up. Well, I tell you, I, I wish the Lord had that much confidence in me. I know he doesn't, <laughs> and he shouldn't. But this widow has Elijah come up and... He says, uh, fetch me a little water in a vessel that I may drink. And as she was going to fetch it, he called to her, bring it in my hand, a, a morsel of bread. And then she said, now she did have uh, some understanding of Jehovah God, okay? Because um, she does say, as the Lord, thy God liveth. You know, I'm a Sidonian, you're a Jew. As the Lord, thy God liveth, I have not a cake. You know, uh, <laughs> he's saying, you know, you, you're probably uh, have at least this much of a cake left. No, 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 I don't even have what you're requesting. I've just got literal, a little bit of barrel in the middle. You know, I don't even have enough to make a full-fledged cake that you're asking for. Um, all I have is a, a little barrel, a meal left in a barrel, and a little oil in a cruise. And behold, I am gathering two sticks that I may go in and dress it for thee, and my son may eat and die. So this is our last meal. And then Elijah's response, Fear not, and go and do as thou hast said, but make me thereof a little cake, and bring it unto me, and then after make for thee and for thy son, and thus saith the Lord God of Israel, The barrel of meal shall not waste, neither shall the cruse of oil fail, until the day that the Lord sendeth rain upon the earth. So, he gives her this promise of God. And that promise of God was good enough in her mind to give her last meal up to a stranger. Amen. Okay? Now, as we know, the Lord honors that kind of faith. The Lord honors that kind of commitment. And the barrel of meal wasted not, neither did the cruise of oil fail, according to the word of the Lord, which he spake by Elijah. So, we don't have exact um, time stamps of when all of these occurred, uh, but whether this was uh, halfway through, you know, if he was at the, the brook chair for a year and he was here for two and a half years, et cetera, et cetera. But ever how long it was, the Lord literally provided for these three people. And, uh, you know, it's interesting. I, I would have thought that... Uh, Something like this word would have got out 
and there would have been a whole lot more people kind of flocking to her. But it really just says that her and her son and Elijah was provided for. So the Lord provided for his prophet during a time of need in a very unlikely way. And what I really want you to think about um, is when we pray for the Lord's providence, when we pray for the Lord's guidance and blessing in different areas of our life, and for others, on the behalf of others, the Lord worked in the Old Testament in a very manifest way in the sense that he spoke to people directly from what we read in the Bible. Uh, he, he spoke to Abraham directly and Elijah directly. Well, that doesn't happen today. The Lord primarily just guides his people by the leadership of the Holy Spirit and by the reading of his word and the burdening and the guiding of the Holy Spirit. So, you're not going to hear a big booming voice from heaven telling you to go give something to a widow. Okay? You have to be in tune with the Holy Spirit to feel the burdens of the Holy Spirit to be able to help others during their time of need. But I want you to think about the fact of someone praying for a need. It says in James chapter 1 and verse 27 that pure religion and undefiled for God and Father is this, is to visit the fatherless and the widows in their affliction. And he says, I think it may be in the next chapter, talking about faith being validated by our works. He says, look, if you know someone that has a need and you have a brother that's destitute of daily food and you go and you visit him and you pat him on the back and say, I'm going to pray for you but you, you, you don't provide for that need if you have the ability. Instead, you pat him on the back and say, depart in peace, the Lord's going to take care of you. Now understand, we don't always have the ability uh, to meet physical needs of others in the manner that we desire to. That's why the Lord says you give as you have ability. We don't always have the ability to help others in the manner that we ought to. However, could you think of a greater blessing in your life to think about the fact, maybe you've been the conduit to be the answer to someone's prayer, that you're the person who, who gives that to them. And what I mean by that is, uh, let's say there's a widow, back from James chapter 1 and verse 27, uh, to visit the fatherless and the widows in their affliction. And that day, um, a widow had no means of providing for her basic needs. So a widow, uh, her prayer that God gave his people the model prayer uh, to pray in the midst of that, give us this day our daily bread. Well, you know what? That meant a lot to a widow in the first century. Because guess what? She didn't know where that daily bread was coming from. Okay? But I want you to think about someone in that first century. Let's just... Uh, Let's just think about a member of the church there in Jerusalem. Um, that there's, there's a widow out there that's, that doesn't know how she's going to provide for herself. Or maybe she has you know, kids or grandkids, etc., etc. I don't know how I'm going to provide for my family. Lord, give me this day my daily bread. And there's a member of the church there at Jerusalem that uh, follows the burdening of the Holy Spirit. And they go and they provide a loaf of bread to a widow 
that has, doesn't know where her next meal's coming from. And the answer to that prayer, give me this day my daily bread, is not the Lord dropping manna from heaven like he did in the Old Testament. It's a saint of God following the burdening of the Holy Spirit to give them a loaf of bread. Do you understand what I'm saying? Okay. Is there, could you think of a greater blessing in your life that God could use you as the conduit to answer a prayer of a needy disciple in that way? Could you think of anything better than being this widow <laughs> to provide for God's prophet when he stood in need? I mean, uh, I, I want the Lord to be able to use me in that way. I want to be in tune with the Holy Spirit to where uh, God could, can use me that and this is why you got to trust God's providence and His omniscience and His because we don't know, we don't know. I mean, uh, the widow he didn't explain. Uh, she was a Zidonian. I, I really doubt. Uh, she, I guess she knew maybe a degree of hey, it quit raining, <laughs> and uh, maybe, maybe there's something, knew something about a king in Israel that uh, maybe word got out about what Elijah uh, said. But but what I'm saying is I don't necessarily think that she knew all of the reasons behind why this was occurring. But she didn't know how the Lord was providing for Elijah. She didn't know. Hey, all, all he said was, you give me your last meal. Okay? Um, he didn't give her the full story is what I'm saying. He didn't show up and give her the full story of this is the reason why you need to give me. You know, and he didn't show up demanding it either. He said, uh, he didn't show up saying, this is why I have to stay alive. And you have to give me this. No, he just simply gave her the explanation. He didn't give her the whole story. And she gave him that last meal in faith. Okay? What I'm saying is, rarely are we going to get the whole story about why someone stands in need about something. Like, that's not up to us. You know? Uh, we, we don't have to know... Uh, the means by which God is, and God's providence is just so vast and it's so um, intricate that, you know, his ways are, are higher than our ways and his thoughts are higher than our thoughts and, and so much higher than the heavens. Uh, it's his ways. Than our, I mean, we can't understand them even if, uh, if he tried to explain it. So if he tried to explain, look, I'm doing this over here, 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 so I need you to do this so this will happen, and, and then you'll go over here, and, and, and then you see all of this, though. Have you, have you seen things like this in, in God's providence where you, you have all these facts, and then all of a sudden you see how they're just meshing together in God's way in providence? And how does that happen? It doesn't say, it doesn't happen by everyone, God just giving a full explanation of, of every individual party that it's important for you to do this, so, so this will happen, so this will happen. And that's the way God <laughs> orchestrates things in his providence, right? But he doesn't give us the full explanation for it. Instead, he just says, do this. Do it in faith. And then God takes this little bitty thing, this little bitty offering, and what does he do with it? He multiplies it. Amen. Think about the little bitty lad in the New Testament that had a couple loaves and a couple fishes. You know, you don't think you have much to offer? <laughs> you don't think that uh, I'm not um, skillful enough? I'm not uh, important enough to be used in the kingdom of God? 
You know who God uses? Ravens, widows, little bitty children with a, a little bit of leftovers from lunch. That's who God uses in His kingdom. Right? And that little bitty lad gave uh, what he had to the Lord. People that stood in need. Uh, people that uh, were, had no direction. A sheep having no shepherd. And uh, they were faint. They were getting faint, by the way, and the Lord's going to provide for their needs. Well, and, and then, I know my attitude, unfortunately, is usually like that of the disciples. Well, yeah, it's nice to have a couple pieces of bread and some fishes, but what does that have to do with feeding the, all this multitude? I mean, uh, what is that among so many? That was the attitude of the disciples, right? Well, you don't know what you do? You take what you have, and you give it to the Lord in faith, and guess what He does? He multiplies it, right? You know, you just give Him the little bit that you have, you don't know how that might bless someone. And it's not always about giving somebody a loaf of bread. A lot of times it's about giving someone just an encouraging text message or a phone call or a visit. It's just being in tune with the Holy Spirit. And, I, and I'm just not. I mean, I just get so busy and I get so uh, tied up in a lot of different things. And I don't have to spend that time in the closet with the Lord and listen to the still small voice, the guidance of the Holy Spirit. Uh, instead, I'm just I'm too busy to even feel or, or, or hear the guiding and direction of the Holy Spirit. But I would love to be, if God saw fit, to be the means to be the answer to someone's prayer. Amen. Okay? You know, think about Joseph. <clears throat> and he had such an uh, interesting journey uh, to where he ended up at and... It, in stories of God's providence, um, timing is always so important. And the timing is always perfect in God's providence. There's something I was thinking about in the, the cycle of Joseph, you know. Um, he uh, was 17 when he was sold into Egyptian slavery, and then he you know, served Potiphar, and then he was falsely accused and thrown in prison. And then he interpreted the dream of the butler and the baker. And he said, I always get him confused, the one, that, um, the one that didn't get killed, that was restored, I think it was the butler. Um, well, he said, remember me when you get back restored to your office. Well, um, I'm not saying that the Lord calls that butler to forget, but that, uh, the, the knowledge that there was a Hebrew in prison that interpreted dreams had no bearing on Pharaoh until he had a dream that bothered him. That's right. So the reason I say that is he could have told him right away. But that wasn't relevant to Pharaoh then. Okay? Instead, Joseph, he had to wait a little bit longer in prison, but at the exact right time, at the appropriate time, that was when the butler had a light bulb moment. Oh, wait a minute. There's this guy over here in prison that can help you interpret this dream. Now, I want you to think about how many people, um, you know, you, you know the, the, the story, that uh, Pharaoh, you know, he had that dream, and you had seven years of plenty, and then Joseph tells him the dream, and he says, all right, well, you sound like a really good person to run this uh, operation, so I'm going to put you in charge of it. And you're going to store up for seven years, so we'll be in good shape when we have the seven years of famine. Now, I want you to think about um, those people in Egypt, but in surrounding nations as well, um, just like uh, J- 
Jacob's, uh, or Joseph's family, right? Over here in the, in the promised land. Well, the uh, seven years of drought and famine touched them too. So what are they doing? They're praying to Jehovah God, Lord, provide for our needs. Well, what's the means by which God provided for the needs of many of his children during that time? It was through the wisdom of Joseph in storing that up. Now, if you really want to start peeling things back, now look at God's providence. And he was setting prayers that were not prayed until that seven years of famine. He had been guiding in his providence to put the right person in the right position at the right time to stock up to answer the prayers of people that were going to be prayed many years down the road. See, that's why we can't understand God's providence, right? Because he's thinking 20 years ahead. He, he's setting everything up to answer his prayers 20 years, prayers of his people 20 years from now that they haven't even prayed yet. See, that's why we can't understand God's providence is because it's literally too big for us. But I want you to just think about that. Think about those people that were on the verge of starving and they hear word that Egypt has grain. Lord, how are you going to provide for our needs? Oh, wait a minute. There is, there is a need. There, I mean, there is a, a provision for what you stand in need of. And you want to know the reason why there was a provision? It's because God used Joseph. He used Joseph to, be, to have the wisdom to be the person that would ultimately be the answer to probably thousands upon thousands of people for prayers they haven't even prayed yet. But God was setting all of that up in his providence. Now, when I say setting that up, I know Brother Chris has preached on Joseph enough. I don't have to explain to you that God was orchestrating each of those events actively. But I believe you can see a, a, a string of God's guiding providence in the midst of all of it, his overruling providence. Not his causative uh, decrees, but his overruling providence. Amen. But, but understand, he had been guiding that for years, for years. And then it was through the wisdom of Joseph that um, so many people were blessed um, to have an answer of prayer. Um, let's go to Luke chapter 10. And uh, this account that we know very well of the, um, the Good Samaritan I want to look at maybe this in a, in a negative way um, that uh, sometimes, and this is so convicting to me, that uh, sometimes we have the ability to be an answer to someone's prayer, but we're not in tune to know we need to do that, or even worse, we're put in a position where we can, and we just simply choose not to, okay? Luke chapter 10, verse 29. But he, willing to justify himself, said unto Jesus, Who is my neighbor? I said, let's just back up to verse 25. And behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tempted him, saying, Master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And he said unto him, What is written in law? How readest thou? And he answering said, Thou shalt love the Lord with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy strength, with all thy mind, and shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Now, uh, this lawyer, um, he wanted to, as lawyers do, no offense to present company, um, <laughs> as lawyers do, 
they want to clarify this statement. <laughs> uh, you told me I got to love my neighbor. All right, now who's really my neighbor, right? The reason he's asking this is I want to make sure that there's a group of people that I still don't have to love if I don't want to. <laughs> he's looking for exclusions, right? Would you agree with that, attorneys in the audience? He's looking for exclusions. Uh, he's not wanting to, uh, to make it more broad. He's wanting to make it more narrow, right? Who do I really have to love, right? So this lawyer, willing to justify himself, <laughs> that's interesting, justify himself, uh, he knew there were some people he wouldn't love it like he needed to, but he wanted to make sure it was still okay for me to keep, keep treating these people bad. <laughs> so I want to make sure that I still view myself as just because it'd be bad if I had to really show love to everyone, right? Especially those Samaritans that we really don't like. So this lawyer willing, was willing to justify himself, and he says, who is my neighbor? In other words, um, who can I exclude from your commandment to love everybody? To love my neighbor. And then he tells him a story. You know the story. A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves, which stripped him of his raiment and wounded him and departed, leaving him half dead. And I want you to notice this phrase at the beginning of verse 31. And by chance. Just what happened, right? By chance. You know, I think about the book of Ruth and the guidance and the providence. Right in the book of Ruth and Ruth showing up in Boaz's field and there's some language in Ruth chapter 2 where it says oh her her hat was to light upon his field this this Moabite who again God's providence it was God's providence that led Ruth to as a Moabite to marry an Israelite, now he ended up passing away, but, but that's the whole reason she had a connection with Naomi, the whole reason she ended up coming back. So the Lord was guiding many years in advance. Even Ruth's marriage to uh, the son of Elimelech that passed away. Okay, And now God's providence is guiding Ruth to the exact right place in the right, exact right time, and her hap was to light upon the exact right field of the person who happens to be her kinsman redeemer we could just as easily say oh well she by chance just showed up in boaz's field now do any of you believe that was just random chance here this morning or this evening no it was god's guiding providence right now I believe, you know, could you imagine someone that's, you know, he's beaten and he's half dead and he's, he stands in need of medical attention here in the ditch? Wouldn't it, you know, the Lord sees a child that's in need, right? So he's going to guide someone to be in a position that they can help him by chance, by God's providence. There was a certain priest that went by the way, but he saw him and he passed by on the other side. By God's providence, he was put in a position that he could help someone. In their time of need. And could you imagine, let's, let's again tie it back to their individual prayers. This man that's beaten up and he's in the ditch and he's probably saying, Lord, please send somebody. You know, I can't walk. I, I can't, I don't know what's going to happen to me. Lord, please, Lord, please send somebody. And the Lord does send somebody. Amen. But the first two walk by on the other side. Mm. By chance, God puts someone in a position to be a blessing to someone. But 
I'm not going to put myself in the shoes of these two people and tell them why, say why they didn't do it. Uh, maybe they had an appointment they were late for. And, you know, that's why I don't do a lot of things, right? <laughs> I don't have time. I've got a lot more time than I realize I do, I think. By chance, there was a certain priest, you know, by God's providence. God puts the right person in the right place at the right time to help someone that's in need. But you know what? I just, you know, looks dirty down there in that ditch. And it, I feel like that would really mess up my pretty robe as a priest. Uh, it would be very inconvenient for me to get down in the ditch and get dirty with this guy to help him in his time of need. And then, if you'll let me to insert this in verse 32, and by chance, likewise, right, likewise, by chance, a Levite, when he was at the place, came and looked on him and passed by on the other side. But it was a certain Samaritan, a person at the very bottom of the totem pole that you would expect, right, for the Lord to use to help, most likely, a Jew that had been beaten and attacked and robbed that was in the ditch. It was a Samaritan that as he journeyed, he came where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion on him, and he went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring in oil and wine, and set him on his own beast, and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And on the morrow, when he departed, he took out two pence and gave them to the host and said, Take care of him, and whatsoever thou spendest more, when I come again, I will repay thee. Which now of these three, thinkest thou, was neighbor unto him that fell among the thieves? And the lawyer said, He that showed mercy on him. And then Jesus said unto him, Go and do thou likewise. So there was someone that stood in need, and only one out of three people that God put in a position by his providence to help someone, only one of three acted on that. In Matthew chapter 25, uh, when Jesus is uh, at the end of time, description of him separating the sheep from the goats, and he said, look, you've, uh, you've done, actually, let's just turn there, Matthew chapter 25. Let's make sure we get that right. Separates the sheep from the goats. And then he says in verse 34, Matthew 25, Then shall the king say unto them on his right hand, Come ye blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was a hungered, and you gave me meat. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you took me in. Naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. But then shall the righteous answer him, saying, Lord, when saw we thee hungered and fed thee, or thirsty and gave you drink, and when, when saw we, you as a stranger and took you in, and naked and we clothed you, or when saw we thee sick or in prison and came unto thee? And the a king shall answer and say unto them, Verily I say unto you, in so as much as you've done unto the least of these my brethren, you have done it unto me. As I mentioned earlier, um, the way that people in this world identify us as the disciples of Christ is that we love one another. But that love 
is not just a warm, fuzzy emotion. No, we love one another as Christ has loved us. And his love is validated by action. I mean, I'm thankful he made a profession of his love before the foundation of the world and entered into, entered into a covenant before the foundation of the world. But there were actions that were necessary to validate that love. Okay? But I want you to just put yourself on the other side. The other side of these transactions. Okay? Um, For I was a hundred and you gave me meat. Think about that child of God that's praying unto the Lord. I don't know where my next meal is coming from. But then someone is burdened by the Holy Spirit. You know what? Um, I can easily go run through the drive through spend $5, and give someone a very good meal if I know that they stand in need. You know? And you know what? You might be the means that God uses to answer the prayer of the hungry by providing them food. Okay? I was thirsty and you gave me a drink. Same thing. Praying, Lord, I don't know. If I'm going to be able to survive, if I don't get something to drink, well, you could be the person to hand them that glass of cool water, right? That's an answer to their prayer. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came unto me, you see? People are are praying uh, to the Lord for his... uh, guidance, for his blessing, for his deliverance in the midst of trying times, and rarely does God use the uh, obvious means to provide for his people. No, it's, it's ravens, right? <laughs> it's widows. It's the little kids left over lunch. It's um, little people like me and you, right? <laughs> and at the end of the day, we love one another as Christ has loved us. And the closest that I can come to offering a uh, loaf of bread to Jesus is by offering it to my neighbor in love. You know, I'm, I try to mention this all the time uh, when we have the communion service and we have the washing of the saints' feet. The closest that I can ever come to washing Jesus' feet here in this world is by washing your feet. That's the closest that I can come. Closest I can come to offering Jesus a loaf of bread to provide for his need is by offering it to his children in their time of need. And I hope that the Lord can use us in some small way to be able to be a blessing to those that stand in need and to be able to, to be a blessing to answer. The prayer, I mean, have you, uh, have you been in circumstances where you were just in a severe need? And then all of a sudden, literally out of nowhere, sometimes it's anonymous. You know, I know a story, my, I haven't, don't have any first-hand ones that are quite as dramatic as some other ones, you know, but I know quite a few minister friends that had a very similar story. You know, all of a sudden, we were just making it barely. And then all of a sudden I have this big expense, whether it's a medical expense or my vehicle breaks down, and i got to have $500 now. And then, if 
$500 of cash shows up in my, in my mailbox Amen. anonymously. Now, that's God that gave Amen. them that. Right. But you want to know who wrote the check? Someone else. <laughs> you want to know who, whose cash that is? It's somebody's. I don't know who's it, whose it is. So God answered their prayer. I understand that came from God. That came from God. But it was those individual people that God used to answer that prayer. And I hope that we can be useful instruments in God's hands to bless others. You know, uh, we are, this is kind of cliche in modern uh, Christianity, but, but we really are the hands and feet of Jesus in this world today. We really are. You know, because someone's praying. And I want you to think about that. I want you to think about that. Somebody's praying to Jesus. I have a need. I can't pay my child's medical bill. I have a need. You want to know the hand that God uses to provide for that, that financial need? It's your hand. It's your checkbook. It's your loaf of bread. And don't, don't understand, it's not all about material things. Sometimes the most important thing you can do is give somebody an encouraging phone call or a text message or visit them in person. So I hope that we can meditate upon these things. And, I, and all of this message is, to me, is a condemnation of what I'm not doing. <laughs> so under, under, understand uh, uh, that this is just an admonition to myself to realize how uh, much I fall short. Uh, I feel like I am the very uh, negligent uh, priest and the Levite instead of the Good Samaritan most days. Uh, but I hope the Lord can uh, bless, bless all of us to be more in tune with the Holy Spirit and to provide for others' needs to the best of our ability. May God bless you. We thank you for listening to today's message. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com.